Yeah, I, I, that, that's what I want. I want Google having all my mail. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's Thursday, July 11, 2009. Time again for your Gitmo Nation audio publication, episode 111. This is No Agenda. Coming to you from the 17th century Amsterdam Canal House Crackpot Command Center in the heart of Gitmo Nation East, where the door-to-door house searches have already begun. I'm Adam Curry. And, well, sorry for the delay on that, but... uh, (laughs) I'm here in uh, Northern Silicon Valley as usual. I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. As sharp as ever, John. As you attack. caught me off guard. You're going on about the house. Oh, but it's really happening. Searches. It's true. And I'm thinking, I'm going, I, 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 I was thinking to myself, really? That's interesting. I haven't heard anything about that. Oh, dude, <laughs> I just completely <laughs> forgot the cue. It's so cool to be here in Gitmo Nation East because... So many interesting things are taking place. While you're doing your background searches, because I know you're working on something, in The Hague, which is where the government sits in the Netherlands. Which is uh, also where miniature land is. (laughs) Maduro Dam. Yeah. uh, Door-to-door house searches are now being performed. Uh, I'll, uh, and I've, I've gotten so many emails about this that I'm so happy I can share this with you. I have the actual documents, uh, scans of it. You'll see that in the show notes at noagenda.mevo.com. Uh, reading from a translation page, it appears that routine searches of one's home to check for a vast array of, quote, problems are now being performed. <laughs> Were they looking for mold? <laughs> now being performed door to door in the Netherlands. The city of The Hague is inspecting all homes in a number of neighborhoods. One resident that apparently told these people to bugger off on a previous occasion got a threatening letter. And this is the letter that uh, you can see the Dutch version. Translation, I'll just read a bit of it. Stop me when you're already peeing your pants. Subject, inspection regarding occupancy relating to The Hague Residence Brigade. In The Hague... We want. <laughs> Wait, this, this, the is the, this is the actual uh, translation of the actual document. In The Hague, we want pleasant and safe neighborhoods. For, for this reason, we are inspecting all homes in your neighborhood. For each address, we will see if the rules and regulations are being met. In the residence you own at Redacted, was visited by our team on the 10th of June 2009, but we were refri- refused entrance. On Thursday, the 25th of June, between 1300 and 1400 hours, your residence will be visited again by a team of the Hague Residence Brigade, led by the sitting planning office. We will verify the state of the building, fire safety, and the actual use of the residence. All rooms of the residence are subject to this inspection. The cooperation of all residents is therefore a necessity. We'd like to point out that this is not a voluntary inspection. You are obliged to cooperate. If you refuse to cooperate, we'd like to point out that we are legally entitled to enter the premises with a legal warrant and without the cooperation of the owner and or occupants. (laughs) Oh, John, it's happening. It is happening. They're just trying, they're just looking for a hidden church. No, they're looking for um, marijuana uh, growers. They're looking for illegal immigrants. They're, the tax authorities, the local energy company. Dude, it's really happening over here. Sounds great. Yeah, yippee. Yippee Kaye. <laughs> <sighs> well, we haven't gotten that far here yet. 
Although one of the clips I didn't send over today was the uh, I have the hearing uh, that was done uh, U.S. Senate hearing uh, at the Kangaroo Court uh, about the uh, climate change bill, and one yeah. of uh, one of the uh, senators brought up the fact that some woman uh, who had brought up some the EPA is is a problem. There's a statement. There's a ringtone for you. <laughs> when you look at it, when you look at it, and it's Lisa Jackson that runs it. Yeah. I mean, you look at her and you go, my God, this is the most smug creep that has ever been put in, 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 in a public office at that level. So hold on. So the, is, the EP, so the climate change bill, is this the cap and trade or is, is that a part of it? Yeah, yeah it's okay. all part. It's the, this is the cap and trade. Right. Okay. Or, or as Horowitz calls it, crap and trade. Good one. So anyway, um, she is this, she is so smug that it really makes you itch just to watch her. I mean, she's horrible, and she's obviously you know going to be the uh, you know the kind of the. I mean, if you look at the way the bills are written, she's going to run the country basically. And she's the head of the EPA. Yeah. Oh, she. And I don't understand. I I didn't look into her background. We'll probably follow up on this, but she uh, can't. I don't know who where she came from or how she got appointed. Maybe I should look it up right as we're doing the show. But anyway, I got a couple of clips, uh, and one of them involves her, which you might want to play if you want to get right into climate change right now. <laughs> so, well, th- there is a lot going on with climate change. The G eight is currently meeting, um, and there are. Full-page ads everywhere, including the Financial Times. Really, full-page ads, you know, brought to you by, paid for by people like uh, businessforclimatechange.org, we are climate change, climatechangemybutt.org. You know, these are hundred thousand uh, dollar ads that are being taken out, and it's a, it's a very obvious campaign. So there is a lot happening right now about climate change. The EPA, of course, stands for Environmental Protection Agency. And uh, we'll uh, listen to this Lisa Jackson woman now. Um, there, there was a um, boy. She has a deep voice, John. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. An article in the, uh, in, the wa- in the in the Washington Post yesterday, uh, deconstructing the climate it's bill. John Barrasso of questions Wyoming. and answers. I'm sorry. Yes, John Barrasso of Wyoming asking her a question about this this Washington Post article that came out that just ripped the the climate change bill. Barrasso isn't by any chain, uh, chance related to Barrasso, the uh, European president, is he? <laughs> Let's hope not. <laughs> here, here we go. So on the mammoth House measure, so the climate bill approved by the House last month uh, started out as an idea, fight global warming, and, and wound up looking like an unabridged dictionary. And uh, Senator Bond, I think, had the, the big copy of that unabridged dictionary. Um, it runs to more than 1,400 pages, swollen with loopholes and giveaways, meant to win over ungreen industries and wary legislators. Uh, and then they go through a number of questions. And it said, would this bill stop climate change? Would this bill stop climate change? And their answer is no, it would not. Um, do, you, do you agree with the Washington Post's assessment that this bill will not stop climate change, or do you disagree with the Washington Post on this? I did happen to see that article, Senator, and I agree with their assessment that this bill is the right start and that it sends a strong signal and that you all in the Senate have work to do, uh, and uh, I respect the fact that you're starting that work. So you're wait, wait a minute, what? <laughs> that, 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 can I have a yes and no answer, please? I agree with their assessment <laughs> that it's a great start. Y'all in the Senate, you got some work to do, y'all. My impression is that this bill, as we are looking at right now, does not will not impact on climate change. 
you agree with the article? You said. Well, we already had a discussion earlier about the fact that what uh, the United States does is important in terms of entering the clean energy race, in terms of reducing wow. our dependence on oil that comes from outside of our country, and in terms of creating millions of jobs. So <laughs> this is a jobs bill, it's an energy bill, and it's also a climate change bill, and we will need to work internationally to affect changes um, on, on global climate change. It's the, cl- the global climate change race, John. We're in a race. <laughs> race. Hey, hey, Canada, Jeez. you're fucked. You're fucked. <laughs> Canada giving us all that oil. Bye. You're screwed. So she uh, wouldn't answer the question, obviously, but she'd use a lot of bureaucraties. She's great at that. I mean, that's that's beautiful spin. I, I'm impressed. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad, but it was like, you know, but she's so smug. You have to look at it. You have to see her visually to see this kind of like droopy-eyed, you know, screw you look. How old is she? It, is she hot? She's kind of a big woman. Hold on. Oh, that could be hot. Hold on. Let, let me uh, Google well, her. To you. Lisa, <laughs> Lisa Jackson. Okay, let's see. Come on, Google. Do your do your stuff. Oh, I see. She's got kind of... Well, if you Google Lisa Jackson, you get some hot babes, but then there's, oh, okay, I see her. She's got kind of like a Liza Minnelli haircut. Yeah, yeah, she does. That's what, <laughs> it's like she goes to the, 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 obviously goes to the beauty parlor before she does anything. And look at her makeup. She's got full on TV makeup on. Full little on. heavy handed, little heavy handed with the makeup. Yeah. She looks a little uh, too, um. It looks like she, she had Botox only on one side of her head. She should have been on the other side uh, of the forehead. Somebody slapped her upside the head there. <laughs> she got some ugly stick whooping. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, she's annoying, to say the least. Uh, and she's just a stooge. And uh, anyway, the, the, the whole thing, but there's another clip there. Uh, yep. You want to set it up? Uh, no, there's there's something there's an under there's an underli- there's a, an undercurrent uh, during these hearings that kept cropping up. And I just, this is this very short clip. I just wanted to indicate that this is a Democrat that's speaking. Uh, the guy from Delaware, um, I think, is uh, Carper or Corper or something like that. I can't remember who it is. But anyway, um, just just play that little clip. Oh, that's the cue. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Senator Carper's next. Yeah, thanks very much. So, Dr. Chu, uh, a number of our Republican colleagues on this committee and a number of our Republican colleagues in the Senate are... Blame the uh, Republicans, but he's for it. Okay. Republican colleagues in the Senate are uh, very enthusiastic about nuclear energy. Uh, they see there's no uh, no end to, to how much we can accomplish. With it. I'm a strong advocate of expanding nuclear power as well. One of the things I'd urge you to do, I'll be real honest with you, they're looking for somebody in the administration who's is excited. Okay, I just want to point out that every so often one of these guys comes on and they go crazy over uh, nuclear. Nuclear. And, nuclear. And, nuclear. Yeah, nuclear. 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 He goes crazy over nuclear, and uh, the... Uh, I'm not against it, by the way, nuclear. By the way, the head, this guy, the guy who's the head of the Department of Energy, is a uh, an Asian who won a Nobel Prize or something. It's, I can't remember his name. His name's Chu or something like that. And Jim, he, Jimmy uh, Chu. Jimmy Chu. <laughs> Jimmy Chu. And he is like, yeah, no, I think I think it's great. You know, and so he's like pro nuke and uh and all these people then there's then there's during all these hearings there's a lot of discussion of like 
re, you know, the term, there's kind of a meme that showed up, you know, reboot. We want to reboot our Oh, yeah, this is, this is the whole thing that uh, it's, it's reset, I think it is, isn't it? Because uh, that's what uh, they're talking it about. It goes back and forth from reset Russia. to reboot, yeah. Yeah, that's what uh, Obama wanted to reset relationships with Russia. No, he wanted Russia. to reboot, I think. Wasn't it I reboot? think it was reset, reset. Okay, well, it's just, now that ruins the meme. Whatever the case is, they want to reset this and reset that. Now they want to restart... <laughs> The nuke business with uh, new uh, plants all over the place because because one guy after another these Republicans have this angle. It's like, well, heck, if we're going to do this, let's just go with uh, you know. And I, by the way, which is it kind of explains how General Electric, which owns NBC and MSNBC, yeah. is so um, kind of uh, you know pro all this stuff. Well, well, this is interesting because along because comes... Because General Electric, by the way, is the big power, the big uh, nuclear uh, power plant uh, company. Well, they also uh, delivered the uh, $2 billion worth of wind turbines to uh, T. Boone Pickens, who has just said, uh, I'm calling it off. Good idea, but I'm not going to do it. His, uh, his wind farm, his 687 giant wind turbine wind farm... Yeah. He's called it off. What's going on there? Well, it's an AP story. Uh, plans for the world's largest wind farm in the Texas panhandle have been scrapped. Energy Baron T. Boone Pickens said Tuesday. And he's looking for a home for the 687 giant wind turbines. So I've. Where was he? Yeah. Well, where was he going to put him in the first place? He says uh, he had leases on about 200,000 acres in Texas that were planned for the project. He might place some of the turbines there, but he's also looking for smaller wind projects to participate in. He's looking at potential sites in the Midwest and Canada. But essentially, he's saying he's calling the whole thing off, and there's no real explanation other than perhaps General Electric said, Hey, dude, you, you invested $2 billion in this shit. You know what? We'll, uh, we'll cut you some slack. You know, we'll give you a, a credit uh, if you give up the project so maybe they can go nuclear. I'm just thinking out loud. There's something up. Yeah, well, it, it'll shake out shortly. Uh, I mean, he can move all those. If he thinks, if he wants to find more wind, I mean, if he just moves them all to North Dakota, he's got it made. I mean, that's where the money is for wind. Meanwhile, um, very interesting watching some of the news coverage of um, Obama in, in Russia. Um, it, it's interesting to see that uh, General Electric... Pepsi and Boeing all now have moved into Russia as a part of this uh, reset, reboot, restart of relationships, while companies like IKEA and other investors at British Petroleum literally have been kicked out, you know, their money taken away, stolen, uh, you know, overtaxed, all kinds of weird shit going on. So I guess if you're not within the coalition, if you're not playing ball... Then you get uh, then you get screwed, and I love this. I think you got this on email as well. Gazprom, just to stay with energy for a moment, has signed a two and a half billion dollar deal with Nigeria's state uh, operated NNPC. I guess it's their energy company. But the name of the new the new firm, and we've joked a lot about how the, uh, we yeah we I blogged <laughs> this immediately when it, when I first heard about it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, the uh, you know the mob always likes to name their companies really funny things. Like what what, come, what kind of examples did we have in the states? Well, White Front was a big uh, chain of retailers that uh, White Front get it that was done by again the Witness Protection Program, right. <laughs> and then I think 
Okay, there was a there was a trucking company called Conway. Yeah, Con- <laughs> <laughs> so these so these guys called so this these obviously the Russia of course you know they are the mob. Let's face it, they called their new their new firm niggas. N i g a s a z. I mean, does it get any better than that? <laughs> it's Niggas. really bad. This is horrible. It's this totally is Nigeria, horrible. okay? It's where black people live. You can't call the firm niggas. It just doesn't doesn't sit right. It's very wrong with that. I just died when I read that. It was too funny. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we could have should have brought that up before. It is pretty funny. Um. So anyway, there's a number of other things going on besides the scam uh, in the. Uh, by the way, there was a, there was a thing that broke in the news last. I didn't get a clip. I, I shall maybe run the clip on uh, Thursday. So uh, there's an ad that they're running in the San Francisco Bay Area. At least KPIX is, and they're running it with. Uh, I mean, they're, they're running news about it because apparently none of the other TV stations in the Bay Area will run the ad. Oh, is this the marijuana the, thing? Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. I have that clip. Hold on a second. Someone sent me the clip. Go ahead. Set it up, and I'll I'll, I'll look for the clip. <clears throat> well, the, the it's just essentially some woman who's uh, who's going on and on about how uh, you know the, legalizing marijuana would be a uh, a benefit to the economy of California because it's one of our top crops that's not being taxed. And she says she wants you know she thinks it should be, and let's legalize it and get this over with. Because by the way, there is a big trend toward this. Go ahead. Okay, here's uh, here's the clip. Sacramento says huge cuts to schools, health care, and police are inevitable due to California's budget crisis. Even our state parks could be closed. But the governor and legislature are ignoring millions of Californians who want to pay taxes. We're marijuana consumers. <laughs> Instead of being treated like criminals for using a substance safer than alcohol, we want to pay our fair share. Taxes from California's marijuana industry could pay the salaries of 20,000 teachers. Time. By the way, she she uh, just looking at her in this ad, and you'll find that in the show notes at noagenda.media.com. She eats uh, a lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Yeah, she, she's got the munchies big time, dude. She, <laughs> she, she's really not the best advocate for this. <laughs> oh, boy. So anyway, so they made a news story out of it, uh, and I think rightfully so. These other stations, these these sleaze balls, won't run the ad. It's an advocacy ad that is reasonable. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't want to run. If you run the T Boone Pickens ads that say we need to use more natural gas, you should run these ads, which is just saying we want, we we need to change the law. I don't see what the big deal is, but you know, I I, I it just annoys me because they, this does have to be legalized. Yeah, so shouldn't point. we? Name and shame those stations that won't run the ads. Yeah, we, yeah, we can't. KTV, uh, K, uh, well, actually, KTVU wasn't mentioned. They must be embarrassed by that. But I, I don't know whether they're taking the ad or not. But uh, KNTV Channel Eleven, uh, obviously a bunch of wimps. KGO Channel Seven in San Francisco, they won't run the ad. And then there was, a, I think, KTTV or one. There were two other ads out, or two other stations outside of San Francisco and Sacramento. I think they wouldn't run the ad either. But there's no reason. Right, for they, this. Must, they, they must be owned by. Someone then, well, they must K-N-T- be owned by by some far, big pharma indirectly. I don't think so. I think that they think they've just taken it upon themselves. I honestly think it's not not anything that deep. I think it's just a well. Oh, we can't run this because it's uh, it's, <laughs> it's advocating a, it's for drugs. Drugs. They put on another Budweiser ad. 
Come on. Whatever the case, come on. Put on some beer commercials. Good old American beer commercials. We'll do some follow up on it. So, while all of this is happening, of course, there is. And now, back to real news. I guarantee you, this is what will be all over the news this evening if it hasn't been on already. A 22 year old factory worker died Wednesday after he fell into a vat of boiling chocolate at a manufacturing plant in New Jersey. Yeah, that was one of those stories that was just, I looked at it and said, you know, it wasn't quite even bloggable. It was just kind of funny. No, I guarantee you, it will be all, you know, all over the news. No doubt. It's, yeah, it's got to be that's, so, that's like stories from a couple of days ago, and it's not over the, all over the news yet. Mm. I just don't think it has legs. Uh, Are you getting a sick of this Michael Jackson stuff? It's, it's gone on oh, too long. man. Yeah. You think it's Franklin Roosevelt who died? And now there's a bill. Oh, hold on, there's a, there's an actual bill in. Uh, let me see if I can find this. Uh, I think this is it. Yes, House Resolution 600, the Michael Jackson bill, a tribute to an American legend and musical icon. And there's this whole list of things that he's done. Whereas Michael Jackson was not only an accomplished recording and performing artist, he was a noted humanitarian. Then there's like 30 different uh, things he's done with dates and times when he, in fact, it even says he, he here's one. Whereas in December 1991, Michael, Michael's office, MJJ Productions, donated more than 200 turkey dinners to needy families in Los Angeles. Resolved that the House of Representatives, one, recognizes Michael Jackson as a global humanitarian and a noted leader in the fight against worldwide hunger and medical crises, and two, celebrates Michael Jackson as an accomplished contributor to the worlds of arts and entertainment, scientific advances in the treatment of HIV AIDS, and global food security. We got to find out who his PR people are. I mean, this is unbelievable. Yeah, it's actually it's interesting. It comes out of Texas. Mrs. Ms. Jackson Lee of Texas for herself and Ms. Watson submitted the following resolution, which was referred oh, yeah, this- to the Committee on Foreign Affairs. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. Talk about distracting news. Meanwhile, well, that's why that's why it's big. That's why it's news. Oh, yeah, well, I know, but it's a little it's a little too big. It's now it's distracting in itself. Yeah. Meanwhile, and then, there was this creepy picture. I, I took a shot of it. I should probably put it on the blog. They showed as like uh, Janet Jackson, Latoya, and uh, somebody else, and Diana Ross, and they're all hanging around the little girl who is yeah, crying her eyes uh, out. Paris, and they're yeah. all wearing sunglasses, and they look like the they look creepy. It's like the whole group of them. Sunglasses like and sequin gloves. <laughs> it was just like whoa. Yeah, when you step back from it all, you're like, mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, my wife has a theory. Oh, good. She's always believed that somewhere along the line, somebody, either Michael himself, because he seems to be into, like, carving himself up, or somebody in the family or somebody, uh, cut his nuts off when he was a little kid so his voice wouldn't change and they wouldn't start, they wouldn't lose any money in the process. And so he's actually been deballed. <laughs> He's a eunuch. It was He's, a eunuch. No, a castrati. A castrati, right, right, right. That, As that, a young kid, because castratis were like a famous a, a group so, of sopranos, singers. right? Well, they were beyond soprano. They could hit notes. Sopranos couldn't hit. A male can hit notes if they're castratis uh, in opera. That you can't. Some of these operas they can't even do anymore because the, there's no castratis left that can actually come out and sing the song. And um, 
and his voice never changed, and he still got that girly kind of thing. He did, did never developed certain male characteristics. I never grew a beard. Uh, I mean, you know, it's just like uh, his hair is still vague. And uh, you know what, John? She, that's a weird theory, man. Doesn't mean totally have anything weird, better to do. Well, no, she wants to write a novel and have the character that has this, these things, this kind of a characteristic. But it's like, there, he does still, he never, his voice never did change. I mean, there's got to be some explanation for it. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I, and, and I'm, I'm torn about talking about him because I, 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 I met the guy, you know, he was, he was really all about love and he really did want to change the world and save it. And, and I think, you know, you know my theory that he was murdered, assassinated. Well, for the, he, the the weird thing was is that right after the, like two days ago they released that catalog because you know they were going to have an auction they're going to auction off Neverland mm-hmm. and they they pulled it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they pulled it. I, I have a Twitter uh, that I sent out about this. I sent a copy of the catalog, which is kind of interesting because everybody says, "Did you check the date? The date is April's when they had the auction." No, they didn't have the auction in April. They had they pulled it. They did. They, they, somebody said, "No, we're not doing the auction." You know, I did see a, a headline run by on um, I think Euro News or something. One of those crawls that runs underneath uh, the uh, the fake news. And it said something that Bertelsmann and KKR are starting a music licensing joint venture. And I found that to be, you know, KKR is famous for their management buyouts and, you know. Privatization. Yeah, they they, they do, uh, yeah, privatization. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is the whole Barbarians at the Gate. If you've never seen that HBO that's, movie, have a have a look at it. It's fant- it's fabulous. Good movie. Yeah. Good movie. Um, but wow, a joke you know. By today's standards, by the way. Oh, pff, big joke. Big joke, but um, no, I just thought that was interesting that they would be a part of it. And you know, there's so much with with that's basically the only thing that's left with with music rights is just that the rights to sell it to you know companies that want to use music as commercials and and uh, uh, you know, use the music in different ways other than just selling records. And to, you know, to have that coincide, I wonder if Bertelsmann has any Michael Jackson rights. Well, here's a que- here's a question that you know that maybe we should have one of our listeners, producers, uh, answer, or unless you know. Mm-hmm. So I do a commercial, a network TV commercial for the Super Bowl, and I have a uh, let's say a Beatles song that's owned by somebody. What do mm-hmm. I have to pay for that for that commercial? Well, it's it's negotiable. Um, when well, I figured that out, but there's got to be a ballpark figure. Uh, it's it's really. Not that simple. When when music is used, you have a sync right. So when you use music uh, uh, and you synchronize it up to video or film, uh, there are certain basic levels and basic standards. Of course, there's a set amount when it's played uh, on the radio or used as a part of theme music, for instance, on a, t- a television program. But when it's used specifically to promote a product, it's up in the air. It could be anything. It could be ten million dollars. You know, it could be. Whatever, whatever the the license holder wants to ask for it, so it that's a that's a constant negotiation. Yeah, that's fine. But what is the typical price people are pay, paying? It's I don't think there's I don't think there is. It's one of those big secrets. No one's going to tell you. <laughs> no one's going to tell aren't, you. That's for sure. Well, I don't. I, you know. I I know that. Uh, I know that uh, my ex-wife used, notice how I did that, huh? My ex-wife used uh, a Julie London song in a commercial, and someone somehow in her company forgot to secure the rights. (laughs) Oh, God. Whoops. 
Depp's got to secure calls. the rights, and they charged her twenty thousand euros after the fact for, and that was just for a couple of airings in Holland. You know, and these guys said, "We think this is pretty fair." Boom, twenty twenty thousand euros. I mean, that was huge. So, do that, they do it? Do you think they do it by the number of times they play it? Because if it's yes. played, oh yes, oh of course. Of course. So it's it's like guys who do you know a lot of people that act in commercials they uh, they've made millions and millions of dollars because the commercials play over and over and you get paid for each play. Right, but that but that's standardized and you get scale and you can get two times scale or four times scale or you know whatever. But that is based upon a scale and there are certain set amounts for that. But when it comes to the music now, it's it's huge. Hey, something popped up on uh, Daily Coast the other day. Um, we didn't really talk about the uh, the software programmer who had apparently stolen some code from Goldman Sachs. Yeah. Um, so what I'm reading from this, and this is uh, you've you've got to read through the whole article because there's a lot. Horowitz of- and I talked about this in the lat. We just did a uh, Dvorak Horowitz. Oh, okay. So- I ha- I'll have to listen to the show. So you can probably explain a little bit about. This code apparently allowed Goldman Sachs to see the trades other people were doing before they actually became trades so that they could then do a counter trade and ergo help themselves make $100 million a day in computerized trading. Nobody really knows what the code does. But. Wow, is all I have to say. (laughs) Wow. But. 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 There was a comment by somebody in a hearing discussing this code, saying if this code got into the wrong hands, mm-hmm. you could manipulate the market to an extreme. Well, yeah. Now, of course, what it also says is that if you can manipulate the market with this code, what do you think Goldman's been doing with it? Well, that's the whole point. Of course, they've been manipulating the market. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why. So now they think the Russian mob has it. Watch that nigger stock. <laughs> that nigger stock is going through the roof, everybody. <laughs> I think maybe it's pronounced nigaz. Fuck it. I'm saying nigaz. <laughs> hey, um, okay. I got to talk about swine flu for a second because, uh, as, and I'm so happy I'm over here this week, as is often the case. Is it safer over there from swine flu? Uh, no. Hold on a second. Hi. No. Um, so let before you can you, can I kind of pre-interrupt your swine because I want to talk about swine flu too, but I'm going to take it from a different angle. And uh, how I, come I, you get to go first? I because I can segue to what you're going to do. Uh, you don't even know what I'm going to do. Whatever it is, I'm sure the segue would. Okay, go. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go. Segue. All right. While we're doing this. I'm going to mention the, uh, some, an interesting problem that is, that is completely unreported. Mm-hmm. Nobody's talking about it. It's ridiculous. There is a huge dengue fever epidemic going on. Dengue? Around, dengue fever? Yeah, D-E-N-G-U-E. It's a mosquito uh, uh, problem. Mm-hmm. And, if, for example, in Sri Lanka... Uh, this is a headline from this is from a week ago. 165 killed by dengue fever, and hmm. it's spreading all over the place. In fact, two fifths of the world's population are at risk. Two fifths of the world's population, 2.5 billion, are at risk right now from dengue, and people are dropping like flies. Yeah, but you don't understand, John. That's good. I mean, so the, 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 those people need to die anyway. We need to get the healthy people. 
But here's the here's what the punchline is, uh, you know, because dengue is going on along the side of swine flu, right? We got 165 dead. Is this and that and the other thing? Sri Lanka's here's a report: two more swine flu cases in <laughs> Sri Lanka, bringing total to 18. Nothing to see here. Ooh, look at that! I finally found it again. Okay. So in Gitmo, in the center of Gitmo Nation East, of course, uh, this is a great country where um, it used to be that uh, industries would test things because this is kind of the gateway to Europe, the Netherlands. And it used to be, you know, stuff like records, you know, they'd test out a new record, see if it went well in the Netherlands and would probably do well in the rest of Europe. Um, and now, of course, uh, this has become the center of, it's kind of the beta test center for all of Gitmo Nation East. And uh, as you know, the Netherlands uh, has uh, the government has said that they have uh, purchased 34 million uh, swine flu vaccine shots, uh, which is two to the head, two for every single uh, inhabitant of the country. About 17 million people live here. And if you've been wondering how they're going to roll this out, how they're going to make this um, mandatory, of course, they don't have a law yet, but I, I love what they're doing. Big news here. Big, big news, and this is what we need to watch for in the United States. They've now started a, a PR campaign, the Rijksinstituut voor Volksgezondheid en Milieu. That is the, uh, the, the, uh, the government body that is in charge of uh, health of the population and uh, the milieu, which uh, means the same thing, essentially, as it does in English. Uh, and by the way, it's called the Mexican flu here, not the swine flu, but the Mexican flu. They are now they are now starting a whole media hype saying, you know, of course we've ordered the 34 million vaccines. We don't have it all in. It's going to be shipped in in stages. It's very important now to decide which of the most which of the groups is the is is has to receive this first. We want to make sure the right people get the shot of protection first. And it's a really really big decision. Will it be A? Old people and people with respiratory and heart disease will be B, the young people who are healthy, but apparently the Mexican flu kills them the quickest. Or should it be C, the healthcare workers? We're really in doubt here. We want people to, we want a discussion. What's the most important group to receive the shot first? We really have to make this decision because if we make the wrong decision, everyone could die. And I love the way they're doing this. It's a perfect rollout. Turn it around. You just turn it around and make everyone worried that they're not in the group that's going to get it first. It's yeah, fantastic. yeah, it's, it's, mar it's marketing. It's beautiful marketing. It's like it's like Nintendo's in charge of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> who does who does PR for Nintendo or Microsoft? I bet those guys are doing it. Oh. Somebody, yeah, it's a good stunt. I like it. Yeah, I, I admire that kind of uh, skill. And uh, and they've got pictures everywhere, you know. It's really it's it's a full on PR hype, and you see how the mainstream media picks that up. It's like, will you be in the first group? Are you going to be lucky enough to be to, to be one of the people who gets the first shot? It's really really <laughs> smart, really really yeah. smart. Meanwhile, well, uh, then maybe they won't force the vaccinations like they do in Maryland right now. Just has a law, and there's a, there was a good thing on CNN about it. It's actually quite funny to watch. Uh, because CNN seems to be stooging for the uh, big farm, uh, pharma, and uh, and apparently you can be thrown in jail if you don't get a, if you if you don't let your kid get a chicken pox shot, like chicken pox. Actually, actually, 
thrown in jail? Yeah. You can get thrown in jail. Wow. You, the parent. Maryland, so, it's the state. Antwerp University in Belgium intends to start testing a new vaccine against swine flu or the Mexican flu before the summer is out. Ghent University is also taking part in the trial. Some 400 people will receive the new vaccine. Professor Van Dam. They don't even have a vaccine. How are they well, ordering? Hold on, well, hold on a second. Professor Van Dam, no relation to Claude, I guess, Jean-Claude. We are using dead vaccines. They have been tailor-made with swine flu in mind. Our intention is to see how safe they are for humans. We also want to establish whether the people undergoing the test get antibodies against the flu. We intend to comply with relevant European regulations. If this happened, they could give the green light for a massive production of the vaccine by November at the latest. Antwerp University is the only one in the world where the vaccine is being tested. The tests occur at the request of the pharmaceutical industry, no kidding, where the vaccine is being developed. New vaccines will also be tested at Ghent University, where some 100 people will take part in the trials. Well, some dead people coming up. So I was reading something about the swine flu, and it, they, they made this point that, that you know, it's, yeah, so far everything's mild. You know, the symptoms are mild. I wish I had the quote in front of me, but essentially one paragraph in the in the article, which was in the Washington Times, as a matter of fact, of all things, it said the, the, the reporter just casually said the the virus is expected to become more deadly. Oh, yeah. No, this is all over the news that it's going to mutate. It's supposed to mutate into a deadlier form. That's what they keep saying. Why would it do that? Well, because I mean, what, what, how just, do they know what it's going to do? Unless because it's they been, know, oh, because it's engineered, obviously. I mean, why wouldn't it mutate into a, a dull form that gives you this, you know, gives you an earache? I mean, why why does it have to mutate into a more deadlier form necessarily? I mean, what specifically does do all flu flu vax or sorry flu viruses mutate into a more deadly form? Not necessarily. No, Very but, few. But, but this is the meme that, that they they've created a couple of memes, and one of them is that it's coming back after the summer, and it will be it's back and it's stronger than ever. And I also, uh, I kind of like the connection, um, and I'm reading some reports here in the Netherlands as well. As you know, the Gardasil, the uh, the cervical cancer drug, which of course is a farce and was not tested properly and is actually hurting young women and girls and killing some of them and paralyzing others, that the government is now saying, well, we learned a lot from the Gardasil um, uh, uh, vaccination program. Uh, we really learned that, uh, you know, we, we had to do a better job promoting this because I think, uh, you know, there was a huge amount of uh, of girls that that did not. That, you know, the discussion started. Uh, people started to get some real information, and a lot of people, did, a lot of these girls, didn't show up, and they just said, "No, thank you. I'm not going to take the shot." So it seems like that, in and into itself, might have been kind of a beta test to see could we get people to take some bullshit shot that actually is going to start killing people or paralyzing them. And even though that's happening, can we still contain the whole program to have people to continue to show up and take these vaccinations? Now, if you go to, there's two ways you can follow this atrocity. One is on Twitter. Uh, you go to twitter.com slash flugov, F-L-U-G-O-V, or go to flu.gov, and uh, here's our uh, our fine, uh, what's her name, Sibelius, uh, Secretary Kathleen Sibelius. She was, remember, uh, she's uh, one of those stooges that got into the administration recently. 
Um, they want uh, they're they're hopping on the user generated uh, content vibe, and they have a twenty five hundred dollar prize for you to create the best public service announcement for the flu shots. Hello, I'm Kathleen Sebelius, Secretary of Health and Human Services. The Obama administration is actively engaged in preparing for the coming flu season. Woo, the coming flu season, it's coming. She has that same smug style oh, that totally. the EPA woman does. She looks like Frankenstein. In a world where swine flu kills, we're actively involved. Particularly in light of the spread like of the H1N1 virus. Thank you. I, I, I'd like some jobs using that voice. In a world, It's a good voice. In yeah. a world where Sibelius wants you to create user-generated... PSAs. All Americans share in the responsibility to be prepared and to inform our friends, families, and communities about flu prevention and good health. I'm excited to announce a new video contest from HHS that will tap into our nation's creativity. <laughs> we want you to help us create a 15 or 30 second PSA. And I'm not talking about another boring educational video. This is your chance to be funny, dramatic, or whatever you think will make the most positive. John, this is so for us, man. We can get 2500 bucks. Positive impact. <laughs> I'm organizing an expert panel to evaluate submissions, and we'll present the best ones back to the public so everyone can vote for their favorite. Cool. The winning what kind PSA of bullshit is this, a flu promotion? Who comes up with these ideas? How hard up are they to make everyone take a shot? I love it when you get angry. Hold on, let's go. We'll receive $2,500 in cash and will appear on national television. Yay. To learn more about the contest details, as well as our larger details. efforts to plan and prepare for the flu season. Void where prohibited by law. Please go to flu.gov or our HHS channel on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. What is this? PSA? Yeah, that just makes me cringe to listen to her talk the way she talks. And the oh, this is awesome. To enter, you will need to have a YouTube account. Produced video should be posted as YouTube as a, to YouTube as a video response to HHS Secretary Kathleen Sebelius' <laughs> call for contest entries. For more information on how to post a video response, go to this YouTube help page. Can you Once imagine? This is how dumb these people are. You have no, I mean, they wait, have wait, no wait, idea. Wait, wait, John, wait, 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 John. Wait, wait. Judging criterion, messages and appropriateness to themes, 50%. Creativity, 30%. Entertainment value, 20%. Prize, one grand prize of $2,500 cash. Top videos will be featured on a broadcast television on government websites and will remain available on YouTube. Like, unlike the funny ones, which will be taken down. You don't know that. No, I'm There's going to be saying. so many ridiculous ones that are going to get posted to, to the to an extreme because you know every every clown out there who likes to do YouTube stuff. You know everybody who you know wants to do a clone of Jackass, the uh, TV show, are going to be doing joke versions of this that are going to be hilarious. There's going to be more than a few funny ones, and it's going to be an, a, 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 an embarrassment, if not a humiliation. Uh, in well, fact, the whole contest. Why don't Why don't we uh, do our own? contest and have our uh, listeners slash producers uh, come up with the anti-flu shot PSA. Yeah. And we could, have a, we could have a grand prize of $2.50. Well, that's kind of like what people <laughs> give us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You want your two bucks back? <laughs> Win it back. So oh, my why God. Don't yeah, we, well, well, let's think about how to do that because we could do it and probably give you know more than you know maybe a couple hundred bucks or something from our fund. Yes, and uh, and it would be better. 
Why not? <laughs> Let's look at uh, FluGov on uh, on Twitter right now. I'm because, looking at it. So it's boring. Yeah, but it's it's indoctrination that I love so much. Is this from the government? Yeah, this is the government. Absolutely, it says right up it's at the horrible. top. It's horrible. This is just profile. terrible. This is the Navajo one stop. Nation must coordinate with 13 counties and four states. Okay. <laughs> One-stop access to U.S. government H1N1 avian and pandemic flu information with 482 followers. Dudes, you need to get on Twitter or something like that if you want to get your followers up. Yeah, 483 followers, and we're two of them. <laughs> oh, my god! Yeah, there's 483 followers. That's hilarious. And they're only following six. That's not right. Have we talked about... Uh, H.R. 1388 recently, John? Uh, not sure. As uh, Well, this is a House resolution which has passed the House. This is the uh, mandatory volunteerism uh, bill. Oh, right. You know, we haven't talked. We, I think we talked about it about a year ago. Yeah. So I guess this thing passed. It's The, uh, the title is actually GIVE, uh, acronym for Generations Invigorating Volunteerism and Education. And uh, this is what will essentially enslave your children, people, this bill. And uh, you should take a look at the, the show notes and, uh, and read a little well, bit about it. Well, explain it a little bit more than that. Well, um, so this was uh, introduced to the House, and it passed by 321 to 105. It's, uh, uh, let me see if I want to get the relevant bits here. Okay, uh, reading from it, uh, H.R. 1388. Uh, reading six, from the bill. Reading from the bill. Adam Curry. Reading from the bill. Whether a workable, fair, and reasonable mandatory service requirement for all able young people could be developed and how such a requirement could be implemented in a manner that would strengthen the social fabric of the nation and overcome civic challenges by bringing together people from diverse economic, ethnic, and educational backgrounds. Uh, so it's a setup to uh, to mandatory volunteerism is really what it, what this bill is. Uh, yeah. it's, a, it's it's a it's a long term project, but it is really in the works, and uh, I'd like our audience to be aware of it. Yeah, you will you will obey. Okay, uh, big news. Tuesday afternoon press release: the Food and Drug Administration announced that Michael Taylor has joined the Food and Drug Administration Agency as a senior advisor to the commissioner. Guess, uh, oh, wait, guess let me who think. Michael Taylor Ma is. <laughs> Michael Taylor, Michael Taylor. That wouldn't have anything. We, need a, we actually need a jingle. Yeah, we do need a jingle. For, obviously. It's another Monsanto stooge. Yes, obviously. So he's a former Monsanto executive, and... Uh, why don't they just turn the government over to Monsanto and be done with it? What do you mean, why don't they? What are you talking well, about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so as, the, as a food czar, this guy, and by the way, look at his picture, uh, he will be responsible for the following. He will assess the current food program challenges and opportunities, whatever the hell the food program means, identify capacity needs and regulatory priorities, develop plans for allocating fiscal year 2010 resources, develop the FDA's budget request for fiscal year 2011, and plan implementation of new food safety regulation. This is the Codex Alimentarius, which is on its way, has already been implemented in many yeah, countries in Europe. Yeah, Google it, Codex Alimentarius. 
and uh, you will see. You will be able to eat these foods and these foods only. <laughs> yes, indeed. It's uh, a lot of people emailing me about that. It's uh, let's see. There's a couple. Yeah, more. that's your topic. Here it is. Um, uh, from the FDA itself, their uh, their press release. Michael R. Taylor, J.D. What does J.D. mean? Uh, doctor of Law. A nationally recognized food safety expert and research professor at George Washington University School of Public Health and Health Services will return to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration to serve as senior advisor to the commissioner. I am pleased to welcome Mike Taylor back to the FDA. Commissioner of Food and Drugs Margaret A. Hamburg, M.D., said in announcing Taylor's appointment, his expertise and leadership on food safety issues will help the agency to develop and implement the prevention-based strategy we need to ensure the safety of the food we eat. Jeez. Really? Yeah. We should ensure the safety of the food we eat? Well, then why do they give us this crappy food? Hold on a second, John. What moet je doen? Yeah? Die moet je nu hebben? You're going to love this, John. Oh, this is awesome. Okay, so um, one of Mickey's... Uh, Hold on. One of before I do this, one of uh, Mickey's assistants who works here, uh, she's on some kind of uh, medical thing that she has to drink this special kind of water, and uh, she was out while I set up the studio, and I'm actually using her water bottle as a microphone stand. <laughs> so what? When you can't find a paper towel roll? <laughs> if you'll excuse me, I have to take it off. Hold on. Because <laughs> oh, she needs the water. She needs the water. I should believe. Oh, man. My mic stand has been ripped. Let me find something else here. What are you doing? You're holding it in the air? Yeah, I'm holding it in the air now. Hold on. I'll use something new here. <laughs> She's looking at me like this really like Bambi-like eyes going, I'm really, I'm re I don't want to interrupt you. I'm really, really sorry, but I really need to drink that special water that's in your mic stand. <laughs> Holy moly. Are you still there? Yeah. Okay. All right, I have a replacement. This is good. Uh, I got uh, one or two other things. Uh, I'm kind of waiting to hear what you have. Well, there's a couple of things. One of the things that turns out that uh, Mons you know Monsanto makes these dead end seeds that don't that the, ter you, the you Terminator seeds, Terminator seeds. And now there's a theory going, which means that you, which is breaking farmers all over the world. I mean, essentially, you know, the, the, the way farmers operate, they're not, you know, these aren't high margin operations to small farms. And, you know, you typically grow, you, you plant a crop and then you uh, take part of the crop and you let it go to seed. Right. And then you plant that, those seeds the next year. And so yeah. it's kind of a, you know, you can do this for a long it's, time. It's called, uh, what is it? It's called uh, farming. Yes, farming. <laughs> it's been around for a while. Yeah, farming. Right. But if all the seeds, you know, that you get, you, you know, you get some seeds, say you're going to plant some new crop, you buy these seeds from Monsanto, and then you, you go through the process, and you don't get any seeds. So you got to buy seeds again. Because these seeds, you know, they just basically don't, they, you can't reproduce with them or you, or you plant them and the whole crop is fails because there's nothing going on. And, uh, you know, this is not good for farmers. No, which but is not good, good for, for our food either. And by the way, uh, the maker of these Terminator seeds is Monsanto. Yeah. 
There's a number of companies actually that make make variations, but the point is, is that now they're thinking that because the seeds really are are, are they're they're neutered, they're, the plants don't really have anything going on except for the fact they just produce some protein. That they think the pollen is affected adversely, and that may be part of the oh, reason the, these for the bees. bees are right? Yeah, you were going to talk and, about that. These bees come into this big field of oh look at this and they go <laughs> yum they, <laughs> yum yum and they, and they essentially starve to death and they they never get make it back to the hive or they do or they just can't there's nothing for them to to eat and of course it was Einstein who famously said that uh, when the bees uh, disappear the world will end in four years time <laughs> I'll tell you. I, of which two have already passed, John. <laughs> <laughs> got two to go but uh i don't know i mean i'm going to put together some clips and try to do i want to do a whole show or on at bees? least a good part of a show on the bees well there's not only the bees but we have we have a number of, of horrible things taking place as we speak we have the bees which is still a problem they think they have some of it some of it resolved but you know there's no there's not back to normal right. and there's also this thing going on with bats in the United States specifically, yeah. which started on the East Coast, which is this weird fungus that's growing around their snout. And uh, they what, what are bats good for? Are bats essential to our uh, ecosystem and our, uh, yeah, our life in general? Well, bats are the bats are really the bug eaters. You know, I mean, if you right. uh, have bats in your areas where yeah. you have a lot of mosquitoes that are biting people and causing dengue, yes, you know, uh, bats help resolve that because a bat eats something like its weight in mosquitoes if you can imagine Jeez, like that's a lot daily i mean <laughs> they just fly around and just why you know why why wouldn't uh, if if you know folk if you know the eugenicists eugenicists who are of course you know about to give us two to the arm to kill us with this uh, swine flu uh, protection shot why don't they put something into the mosquitoes you know that seems like it's funny you bring it up gee talk about a segue because there is a bacteria that's been developed, and we use it in the United States for mosquito control. And uh, we're still, uh, Mimi ran into these stories about the Sri Lanka situation. And apparently, they, this, this, there's this bacteria, you just put it in all the water. And it's been around forever. And, it's, and in fact, you see it sold in garden stores as it looks like a little donut. It says, throw it, you know, if you got a pond or something, you throw it in there. And it's for mosquito control. And it's it essentially is a bacteria that, uh, that eats the mosquito or kills the mosquito eggs, and you they can't reproduce. And it's very it's been around for a long time, and it's a uh, and and the Sri Lanka articles are weird. And this is an example, by the way, for people out there who would like to support the show. Uh, we're not the we don't we're not the only media in the world, the United States, that is is keeping the truth from its population. The all the press in India and uh, and that southern Asia area discusses the fact that the Sri Lankan are having trouble getting this product, this mosquito abatement uh, bacteria, into the country because it's coming. They have to order it from Cuba for some mm. unknown reason. By the way, as my wife was looking this up, she says, Cuba, they have it on Amazon.com. Why don't they just order it from them? Oh, so God. it's like they, they're, they're, so there's a big news story about oh no we can't do that because there's a problem with the Cuban we have to ship it over from Cuba and it, nobody wants to carry it on the airplanes because it's a deadly toxin and, and they're going on and on and on with all this 
bull about this product, which is available anywhere in the United States and most of the world, but they've got this, this phony baloney story about how it's so difficult to get it from Cuba, hmm. and you, re- you can read these stories. They're all in the, in the Indian and, and Sri Lankan press, and they never mention once that this stuff is, is white. Available, available on Amazon. <laughs> it's available on Amazon. <laughs> So there's something up with the, what's going on, and some people believe that they, they're trying to kill off the last of the Tamils with dengue. I mean, there's something screwy going on in Sri Lanka is what the point is. That's the reason I brought it up to begin with. I would like to uh, recommend two books to our listeners. We haven't done this in a while, John. And I don't know how long this book has been out, but I got a... Um uh, an email forward from Vicky Poole, one of our listeners slash producers. And by the way, keep doing it, guys. Also, drop.io slash daily source code is a great place to upload uh, media clips and stuff that we can use on the show. Uh, this was forwarded to Vicky by her 94-year-old uncle, uh, Lee Iacocca, who, of course, uh, famous for uh, his, uh, his steermanship of Chrysler Corporation, I believe. Uh, actually, Ford, then Chrysler. Or Ford, then Chrysler. The book is called Where Have All the Leaders Gone? I don't know if this has been out for a while or if it's brand new. Do you have any idea, John? Uh, it's. I think it's an – is this an Iacocca book? Yeah. I think it's pretty old. Well, let me. I think it's like I think it's like like twenty years old. I think I'm not sure, but I mean I, I'm gonna look it up right well, now. Uh, while you do that, allow me to read a little bit from what Lee Iacocca is saying. Uh, and I quote: "Am I the only guy in this country who's fed up with what's happening? Where the hell is our outrage? We should be screaming bloody murder. We've got a gang of clueless bozos steering our ship of state <laughs> right over a cliff. We've yeah. got corporate gangsters stealing us blind, and we can't even clean up after a hurricane, much less build a hybrid car. Okay, so this came out in 2007." But instead of getting mad, everyone sits around and nods their heads when the politicians say, stay the course. Stay the course? you got to be kidding. This is America, not the damn Titanic. I'll give you a soundbite. Throw all the bums out. You might think I'm getting senile that I've gone off my rocker, and maybe I have, but someone has to speak up. I hardly recognize this country anymore. The most famous business leaders are not the innovators, but the guys in handcuffs. While we're fiddling in Iraq, the Middle East is burning, and nobody seems to know what to do. And the press is waving pom-poms instead of asking hard questions. That's not the promise of America my parents and yours traveled across the ocean for. I've had enough. How about you? I'll go a step further. You can't call yourself a patriot if you're not outraged. This is a fight I'm ready and willing to have. The biggest C is crisis. Leaders are made, not born. Leadership is forged in times of crisis. It's easy to sit there with your feet up on the desk and talk theory or send someone else's kids off to war when you've never seen a battlefield yourself. It's another thing to lead when your world comes tumbling down. On September 11, 2001, we needed a strong leader more than any time in our history. We needed a steady hand to guide us out of the ashes. A hell of a mess, so here's where we stand. We're immersed in a bloody war with no plan for winning and no plan for leaving. We're running the biggest deficit in the history of the country. We're losing the manufacturing edge to Asia, while our once great companies are getting slaughtered by health care costs. 
Gas prices are skyrocketing and nobody in power has a coherent energy policy. Our schools are in trouble. Our borders are like sieves. The middle class is being squeezed every which way. These are times that cry out for leadership. But when you look around, you've got to ask, where have all the leaders gone? Where are the curious, creative communicators? Where are the people of character, courage, conviction, omnipotence, and common sense? I may be a sucker for alliteration, but I think you get the point. Name me a leader who has a better idea for homeland security than making us take off our shoes in airports and throw away our shampoo. (laughs) We've spent billions of dollars building a huge bureaucracy, and all we know how to do is react to things that have already happened. Name me a leader who emerged from the crisis of Hurricane Katrina. Congress has yet to spend a single day evaluating the response to the hurricane or demanding accountability for the decisions that were made in the crucial hours after the storm. I could go on, John, but this is this is a book I have not read yet, but I need to read. This guy sounds awesome. Yeah. Oh, you went to the bathroom while I was doing that? <laughs> I actually cooked a full dinner. <laughs> and the other one I would recommend just to give you something oh, to scoff God, at. Oh, you're not going to read from it, are no, you? No, I'm not. But I'll get, uh, I, I, I'm just about finished with this book. And get ready to scoff, John. Get ready to laugh. Get ready to ridicule. I am going to recommend... Atlas Shrugged by oh, Ayn Rand. God. No, don't read that <laughs> yes. book, ladies and gentlemen. Read it's this boring. book. When you it's read this boring. book, you will you will recognize exactly the times that we are in, and it has some interesting solutions. Yeah, right. Ayn Rand, A Y N R A N D, was written in 1948 by a Russian woman. It's called Atlas Shrugged, and it's, uh, you know what? It's about as long as the cap-and-trade bill, about 1,300 pages. Enjoy it. Well, it's probably better written than the cap-and-trade bill, but that's about it. <laughs> and, I, and this is an Adam Curry recommendation. Yeah, I, I will not uh, uh, second that. All right, so uh, I've been trying to find something on the, uh, on the machine here. And with no on, luck on the wireless, you know it's, it's weird because you know my my mail system is just running like a pig. It's just ridiculous. All right, while you do that, there's a great video that is in the show notes from the EFF. I'm not a big fan of the Electronic Frontier Foundation uh, for a number of reasons, but I do like that they're trying. I've never heard of this uh, that printers these days uh, print almost invisible yellow dots on any it's piece not of paper. These days. This has been print. going on for 20 years. This has been. This is actually. But this has gone on since the first laser color laser printer. It was done on, at the behest of the government uh, to uh, prevent people from using color laser printers as counterfeiting devices. Because in fact, you can counterfeit money really easily with, with some of these high end printers. <laughs> it's what the Federal but, Reserve has been doing for years. <laughs> <laughs> but. What a lot of people don't realize, and I don't know why they just don't make this more, although I think they probably don't want people hacking it, because I think you could probably hack the, uh, the, the whatever, there's a chip or something, whatever. Well, I'm every, sure, yeah, I'm sure. Every color printer, every color printer of any sort has a serial number, uh, and it's embedded in every piece of paper that's printed on that, on, uh, from that printer. Which, by the way, would be an interesting little twist. I haven't seen this shown on CSI, you know, but it really? seems like some, it would be a cool thing to do. Oh, look at it. We can do this. And then they show it. And, then, you, know, they, you know, they always like to break things down. By the way, a friend of ours who's uh, going to law school uh, believes that the jury pool in the United States, the entire United States, is tainted 
by shows like CSI because of the bogus forensic crap that they put out there making it seem as though... Yeah, yeah it you, seemed like they can actually uh, do, uh, do DNA they, analysis they, in 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he says the entire jur- jury pool of the entire country has been tainted, which is he thinks is a huge problem that somebody's going to have to deal with one of these days. I will say anyway. that CSI is a – if you were to value that property, of course, you have CSI Vegas, you have CSI New York, you have – you know, um, I, I would think that that is probably not sustainable just on the advertising market alone and the numbers it pulls. I'm sure there's money coming in the back door on that. That property is valued at billions of dollars. Yeah, it's amazing. Anyway, so the so the each printer prints a series of small. Uh, you cannot see these unless you know what to look for. And yellow it, it, dots, very light, light, light yellow dots across the sheet. And if you uh, like, write a poison pen letter and print it out on your printer, and then send it to somebody saying, "I think you should be killed in office" or something like that, they will track they you can down. Track you back. They can track it back. That's right. Okay, final uh, no, final wait, thing wait, from my wait, side. Gonna, Are you still on that? Throw, Are, hello? I want, throw, <laughs> I want to throw a hack out there. I just wonder. I don't know. I'm not suggesting anybody do this. But if you take and you print a blank sheet on 10 different printers, uh, both sides of the paper, and then and then upside down and backwards. In other words, you shove it in one way and then shove it in another way and then shove it in another way and then shove it and turn it over and shove right. it and shove it in. And, and then you print. Do, <laughs> and then you do a number of other then take it to your friend's house and do it in their printer and do it to, <laughs> on 50 printers so there's just a million little little dots on there and then print and then print money <laughs> <laughs> seems like a lot long way to go so but, we we uh, hit upon something pretty interesting i felt last show where we talked about the electromagnetic pulse weapons emps for short and how that might have actually been the, the the fact that an EMP, an electromagnetic pulse, can can blow out the power grid, um, that that may be the reason behind some of this astronomic funding as a part of the stimulus package, in fact, for the so-called smart grid, which we need to employ, apparently, in the United States. And this is not just in the States. It's happening in many other countries where infrastructure needs to be upgraded. Uh, one of our producers sent uh, sent a great link, to, uh, which, of course, you'll find in the show notes, to empcommission.org, which is the commission to assess the threat to the United States from electromagnetic pulse attack. And it, ha- it is just a wealth of information. Uh, this uh, commission was set up in, um, let me see, I think it was like 2005 or 2006, but on the homepage right there, uh, the reason for this commission is to assess, one, the nature and magnitude of potential high-altitude EMP threats to the United States from all potentially hostile states or non-state actors that could have or could acquire nuclear weapons with ballistic missiles, enabling them to perform a high-altitude EMP attack against the United States within the next 15 years. Uh, Two, the vulnerability of the United States military, especially civilian systems, to an EMP attack, giving special attention to the vulnerability of the civilian infrastructure as a matter of emergency preparedness. Three, the capability of the United States to repair and recover from damage inflicted on the United States military and civilian systems by an EMP attack. And four, the feasibility and cost of hardening select military and civilian systems against EMP attack. Now, there's a number of PDFs that you can download, and uh, I've taken the uh, liberty of putting so, some of those into the uh, into the show notes. It's 
fantastic when you read how easy it is, even on a Scud missile. Now, these are kind of like these dud things that were being shot off in the in the Gulf War One. Yeah, you, you could uh, attach uh, an, uh, a a little kind of just a little uh, little blasting device that could knock out all electrical infrastructure, even if at a very low explosion orbit. And when you read the uh, the documentation, it's uh, and also there's some, there was some experiment called Project Starfish, which happened above Hawaii. And it blew out street lamps, it burned out transformers, and I haven't been able to find much information on it, but it sounds like that was a kind of a test that someone did to see, you know, what an EMP would do. And and an EMP, making an EMP, which is kind of a, it's, uh, well, you've probably seen this in movies, when there's a nuclear blast, then the radio cuts out, the car stops working. It was in uh, you know, so many different movies. Uh, it's for real. But you can also create an EMP in other ways. You don't necessarily need to, to light off well, a we, nuke. We, we use these uh, in the military a lot. In fact, if you watch the early days of the shock and awe, the uh, if you followed a good military uh, and analyst uh like you would a football analyst uh, before they uh started bombing the crap out of uh baghdad they uh used emps on all these all the radar and other installations including the power grid itself of uh of the of the state and they with emps we there are jets apparently have some little rocket that they shoot right and this is exactly what i believe has been happening with the airbuses that have been falling out of the sky um other pilots have seen flashes in the vicinity of these airplanes as they'd all of a sudden become completely incapacitated uh the airbus as you know is a fly-by-wire system it's filled with electronics and computerized systems the pilots are not actually in direct contact with the flight controls um, and even some of the data backs it up, you know, <laughs> like it was just uncontrollable and it started sending out all kinds of weird messages and it just falls out of the sky. I mean, this seems like a very plausible explanation for some of these accidents that are happening with these highly computerized uh, flight systems. Well, it's uh, it's interesting to, well, it's definitely worth following. And it's worth I think, being I, I think worried it, it, about. Well, yeah, I would think if somebody's going to, you know, start planning. I mean, it might be a cheap way to uh, cause problems. Uh, I mean, North Korea, by the way, who didn't attack us on July the fourth by with a missile. Now it looks like they may have, or although I think this may be rigged. I think this may be something something screwy about this. You know, the computerized attack that took place um, over the weekend. What was that? Uh, tell, tell me. There was a there was a variant of the My Doom virus that was sent out. It brought down most of the government uh, websites in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took out a lot of South Korea stuff and uh, also the Washington Post for some unknown reason. Some of these sites still haven't fully recovered from the damage, and they're trying to track it back. And they keep track. You know, they keep hinting that it was North Korea that you know did this for some reason. Um, and there was some, you know, there was some discussion of them. I don't know. I think that I have no idea. We we have no real evidence about any of this. It's making it less and less likely for me to have my wine tasting with uh, Kim Jong Il. <laughs> Crap. Which is getting which is. Annoying. I mean, now it's time to panic, John. Now I'm really <laughs> upset. If you can't have your wine tasting with Kim Jong Il, I mean, this sucks, dude. Well, unless the whole thing is a, is a scam. I mean, there's that possibility. 
There's something I mean, we're out to get North Korea. Let's face it. I bet I'm not sure what what's up with it. I mean, do they have oil? I mean, what's going on with North Korea? That uh, this is interesting. I'm looking at this uh, at one of these PDFs, and they talk about a nuclear high altitude electromagnetic pulse, acronym HEMP. <laughs> <laughs> the hemp is composed of three components. The first, E1, is a high-frequency, 1 megahertz to 1 gigahertz, free-field energy pulse with a rise time of a few billions of a second. This component disrupts or damages electronic-based control systems, sensors, communication systems, computers, and similar devices. The second component is a medium-frequency pulse, similar to lightning, that follows E1 by a few millionths of a second. The E2 component is not particularly dangerous to electronics, especially those hardened against lightning, except when the E1 pulse damages surge protection circuitry first. The third oh. component is a relatively low-frequency, 3 That's to 30 interesting. hertz. I like that. Slower-rising yeah. pulse that follows E2 by a couple thousandths of a second and creates disruptive currents in long transmission lines. The sequence of E1, E2... John. John. Could you please do me a favor? Turn down Turn the Turn down your speakers! Uh, Why don't you get a uh, The a, sequence a of E1, E2, and E3 is important because By the way, if you stopped shouting, it wouldn't be so bad. The sequence of E1, E2, and E3 is important because each causes damage building on the preceding pulse. The strength of hemp depends on the design and yield of the nuclear device. However, relatively low-yield weapons can have devastating effects. For example, a 1 to 2 megaton device detonated at an altitude of 250 miles would produce a field strength of 10 to 50 uh, kilovolts per meter, enough to produce extensive damage to electronics over the entire continental U.S. This oh, was, really? Yeah. So one, one, one of these bombs... Shot off uh, 250 miles in the air is enough to 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 blow out the whole grid. Now 250. What is a satellite? Uh, the I, altitude I of a satellite. I don't know. I don't even think it's that much. Um, so I always thought a, there was. They have a little uh, a little grid here. So they have weapon, probability of use, lethal range, vulnerable targets, and potential users. Oh, I love this. Okay, <laughs> low-orbit satellites are 300 to 500 miles high. So oh, this perfect. thing would be... Perfect, because shoot that from a satellite. Or how about from the, the space station? Oh, yeah, easy. I love this. So they have... Of course, it would take out the space station for <laughs> sure. I, I think maybe that's not a good idea. So, the, so there's... Four different weapons. There's the nuclear hemp, the HPM, the FCG, and the Vercator, or the Vercator, Vercator, and probability of use. So the nuclear hemp, probability of use is moderate, lethal range up to 1,500-mile radius, potential users, nuclear powers with ballistic missile technology, rogue states. The HPM, probability of use is low. Um lethal range C notes, but potential users, US, UK, Australia, Russian and Russia and Sweden. Wow. Sweden? What is the H <laughs> what has that got to do with anything? Those goddamn Swedes. Oh it's HPM high power microwaves. Would you yeah. like to hear about them? Oh might as well. 
Well, you EMP is... Off, you already fell off the, the show with the Atlas Shrugged thing. You might as well do this well, now. Well, EMP is usually associated with nuclear weapons. It can also be generated through non-nuclear means. High-power microwave weapons encompass a class of directed energy devices, which is what melted the world uh, trade centers, that emit electromagnetic energy at high frequencies. By changing the power frequency and distance to the target, HPM weapons can produce effects that range from denying the use of electrical equipment to disrupting, damaging, or destroying it. HPM weapons are in their infancy and demand a strong technology base for acquisition. That's why Sweden, I guess, because they're so technology-minded there. The biggest The biggest challenges involve building systems small enough to be tactically useful while generating sufficient power levels to affect targets from sufficient standoff range and developing ultra-wideband antennas like HARP for certain systems. I made I put through in the HARP thing myself. Yeah, I noticed. HPM operates predominantly in the 1 megahertz to 1 gigahertz frequency range. Oh, that's like G3. Okay, our cell phones. <laughs> yeah, well, it take the cell phones out for sure. Well, the cell phones could actually generate well, a what small could, pulse that can knock out your buddy's cell phone. That would be good. You can, you, you, too bad you can't have a little one of these things that go off in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have uh, GSM disrupting technologies in restaurants and other In fact, why don't they do that? You know how there's always... It's against the law. Oh, is that, is that why? No. Yeah. Oh, gee. In fact, in Berkeley, it's a known fact that there's a bunch of these things in, in Berkeley and you'd be driving around. Because people in Berkeley, they, they, they won't put any cell towers up, so the reception is horrible. And there's a bunch of these, uh, you know, these uh, nutcases that think that uh, it's, it's a horrible technology, and, they, and so they have jammers. So, every, you know, there's a number of people in Berkeley, like probably 100, that have jammers. And then they, they see you on the, walking around with the cell phone, they push the button, and boom, you get disconnected, and you get a loud screech into your ear. You've really got to read this document, John. I mean, I could go on. It has stuff about North Korea in here. All right. It has all, all these different scenarios, how it could take place. Oh, on July 15th, 1996, President Bill Clinton issued Executive Order Number 13010, which identified infrastructures critical to the nation's survival. Tell, oh, oh, this is interesting. So they've already done a lot of work on shoring up the uh, financial networks those are the first yeah. to be uh the first to yeah be goldman hardened. sachs is, is rock solid fuck yeah i should invest except in those for guys. the fact that they lost their source code <laughs> i love you rock solid against a, a, a magnetic pulse but some guy can walk out the door with I, your stuff I, I love it how you know news reports the, you know this this guy they tracked him down because he was trying to uh delete his bash file like dude <laughs> <laughs> bash, bash file. <laughs> it's like it's like the most basic thing in a in a Unix system. <laughs> it's, just bad. it's like, oh man, have you heard about the bash file? Yeah, dude. Like the bash file is really weird, dude. Bash. It's file. like the it's like the history list in your browser. Okay, that's what the bash <laughs> file is. Well, anyway, if you'd like uh, more of this fabulous information to be. Uh, put into the ether as it were we need your help because uh, this this show comes at great expense i mean i have to travel to uh, to gitmo nation east under cover of darkness to be able to get this inside information to be able to translate uh, reams of of documentation to bring you the true agenda of the evil empire known as the government we take personal risk of receiving two to the head yeah. and the gun in our left hand we think that's worth something <laughs> That's your cue, John.
<laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, the point is, is that we uh, we we try to give you guys uh, out there people some angle on news stories that you're probably not going to get elsewhere. And we also, if nothing else, we should be getting paid for having to listen to C-SPAN for hours and hours. <laughs> I mean, seriously, if, you, if nobody thinks that's not a lot of work, it's, dude, they don't know what they're talking it's massive. about. It's massive work. <laughs> I have the entire Senate hearing you know, on the, on the DVR, and I've, I'll take a few more clips off of it, but I had to listen to it, and then I have to go back and then listen to it again to get the clips. I mean, it's just, it's and there's other things things the, the in fact i got there's a uh, there was a woman that oh there i there's a really good one i'll, I'll get some clips for next week that this woman talk, who just wrote a book on afghanistan and she's just her attitude by the way there's a meme going around that pakistan is you know pakistan is not here's the meme and you'll be hearing it all you'll be hearing more and more of it because i'm noticing it crop up they always test market these things on c-span well you know pakistan pakistan is kind of a fake country anyway it's not really one country it's a lot of countries kind of into one it's it could be easily broken into six countries it could be eight countries it could be four countries it could be so there's a there's this movement to uh get into the into the public consciousness the idea that pakistan is not a real country Pakistan is not a real country. It's a rich, a bunch of countries. It could be easily become four countries. Yeah, unlike the United States, which is like <laughs> fifty countries. <laughs> right, and 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 definitely uh, Alaska is going to go be the first to go. So anyway, if you go to noagenda.com, I'm sorry, no. not noagenda. We don't have that. Noagenda.squarespace.com. Noagenda.squarespace.com. You'll find a little box there you can check, or dvorak.org/na. Uh, is a good place to go, and uh, I will put a mailing address too for people who want to mail us stuff and um, give us some a donation. We need some. Uh, we need like fifty and hundred dollar donations this week so we can. Uh, did we get uh, any? Did we get anything? Uh, yeah, we got a, we got some. I'll be I'll run off the list on Thursday. It was a, a couple of good ones, and uh, everybody want to thank everybody. Want to thank our web designer. And who's I was looking for his name, <laughs> whose name we don't really know. And he didn't put it on. You know, he he's got to put it at the bottom of the page. So anyway, uh, his own name. Um, I'll send him a note, and we'll compliment him profusely uh, on Thursday. Tom, and, Tom, so, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I was going to say yep. Tom, Tom F. Lee, one of our producers, just sent me oh. uh, an email from the White House. Yeah. Uh, if you sign up to the White House email, this is the stuff we have to do. We have to read through all this crap. Um, and he uh, he received uh, an important message. If you sign up to the emails at uh, at whitehouse.gov, uh, as the president's advisor on homeland security, I'm passing along the following message from Kathleen Sebelius, Secretary of Health and Human Services, Janet Napolitano. Nep- Secretary of Homeland Security, and Arnie Duncan, Secretary of Education. Arnie Duncan, my old pal! Who are leading the effort to prepare our nation for the following flu season. Fellow Americans, this season we're confronted with an outbreak of troubling flu virus called 2009 H1N1. It's morphed, John. It's now the 2009-H1N1. And this is from uh, Kathleen, Janet, and Arnie. I wonder if this is a different virus than what cropped up last year. Well, as the fall flu season approaches, it is critical that we reinvigorate our preparedness effort across the country in order to mitigate the effects of this virus on our communities. Today, we are holding an H1N1 Influenza Preparedness Summit in conjunction with the White House to discuss our nation's preparedness. 
We are working together to monitor the spread of the 2009-H1N1 and to prepare and initiate a voluntary fall vaccination program. Let me reread that. And to prepare to initiate a voluntary fall vaccination program against the 2009-H1N1 flu virus, assuming we have a safe vaccine and do not see changes in the virus that would render the vaccine ineffective. Ah! But the most critical steps... It's going to mutate. It will be ineffective. But the most critical steps to to mitigating the effects of the 2009-H1N1 won't take place in Washington. They will take place in your homes, schools, and community businesses. Taking precautions for this fall's flu season is a responsibility we all share. Visit flu.gov to make sure you are ready and learn how you can help promote public awareness. We are making every effort to have a safe and effective vaccine available for distribution as soon as possible, but our current estimate is that it won't be ready before mid-October. This makes individual prevention even more critical. Wash your hands regularly, particularly after masturbating. Take the necessary precautions to stay healthy, and if you do get sick, stay home from work or school. We are doing everything to prepare for the fall flu season and encourage all Americans to do the same. This is a shared responsibility, and now is the time to prepare. And it actually says, take care, Kathleen, Janet, and Arnie. It does? Yeah, it says, take care. (laughs) Kathleen, Janet, and And Arnie. Arnie. You're in a reading mood today. But, but what else are you going to do? There's, you know, people have to. People are so lazy, and I'm not saying that all of our listeners are, but most of them are lazy. People are just lazy. They they don't want to read anymore. They don't, you know, if, if it's not coming in through in a three second sound bite, like uh, uh, I don't know, man. Turn on Michael Jackson. Uh, I, I I just don't know. Uh-uh. So um, anyway, so Dvorak.org slash NA and to get this kind of stuff. And, and the fact of the matter is we uh, put, we do put an effort into this uh, presentation. Yes, uh, I think I think we come up with a lot of good stuff. I mean, I'm always surprised by some of the stuff you dig up. <laughs> and, and <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and I do that so that we can at least be called kooks from time to time. So we, don't <laughs> we get are killed. kooks. And uh, I think that there's a I think people like. To hear some of the stuff they don't know about dengue, there's not one person that's listening to the show. They're when they hear the dengue story, oh, they're going to go dengue. Of course, dengue. dengue. I didn't know there's any dengue action going on. By the way, dengue. Oh, I want to. Well, I should have at least some information. By the way, if you ever in an area which is typically tropical where you get a bit by a mosquito and you get dengue, do not. It's also called hemorrhagic fever. It's very much like it has an Ebola-like component. Mm, yummy. Do not take aspirin. It will kill you. Okay, so two things. If you get, what's it called again? Demenge? Dengue. De- if yeah. you get merengue fever, <laughs> if you're eating a lemon merengue pie, do not take aspirin. It will kill you. That's very, that is, thank you, John. That's very good information. How do you know it if is. you have uh, dengue? What are the symptoms? It's just it's like, the, it's like swine flu. <laughs> 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 no, this, it's got a, it's a, it's just like a really, it's a, look it up. Have people, you should go out there and go into Wikipedia and look at the symptoms for dengue. It's a little, it's very extreme. It's not a fun thing to get. We also, but we also, you can rec- survive it very easily, but if you take aspirin, you're going to bleed to death, essentially. And we, uh, we, uh, we certainly do not recommend you uh, stand in line for a shot of protection against the swine flu. 
Uh, Denise Ferguson from Montreal, Quebec, Canada, writes the following. Dear Adam and John, I don't know John's email, so I'm sending this to Adam. I was listening to episode 107. Oh, I should do it like a Casey Kasem. Dear Adam and John, I don't know John's email, so I'm sending it to Adam. Shut up. I'm in the middle of this fucking thing. I was listening to episode 107, and Adam was on another rant where he said that no one should get the vaccine. So if we don't get the vaccination, which I and my whole family will get, this time if the H1N1 passes for a second time, this time the people who already had it will drop dead. So because of your suggestion, you will be responsible for billions of people dying. Nice going, Adam. Love the show. Denise from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Yeah, yeah. Government stooge. So um, they're probably, I would suspect, by the way, as this goes on, that there will be a, a, a bill passed, probably by the U.S. government and probably overseas too, that will prevent us from saying anything like, like don't get the shot. Are we going to adhere to that? Be, yeah, yeah, because we do a legal show. But we, I'm just warning everybody in advance. And, you know, we've talked about it enough. We can always refer people to older versions. I don't know what they're going to do about the fact wow. that it's already out there. Yeah, we may get subpoenaed to take... Uh, hold on a second. We may get subpoenaed to take uh, older versions offline, even. That could happen. So I just want to give a warning. Or I could just move uh, permanently to uh, Gitmo Nation East until they forbid it here. Oh, that'll be... That'll, be, that'll happen there first. Mm, crap. Okay. Yeah, we have to remain legal. So help us out, folks. Dvorak.org slash N-A. Coming to you from the 17th Century Canal House Crackpot Command Center, I'm Adam Curry. And from Silicon Valley North, a place that doesn't exist yet, I'm here. I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again on Sunday for another episode right here on No Agenda.